Today, yes, we're. <laughs> I think we're talking about a person. You are correct. Yes, a person. I could tell just by the way your eyebrows moved. <laughs> what? How did they move? You know. No, I don't. I definitely do not know. Okay. <laughs> we are talking about a person. Okay. We are talking about Eva Peron. Oh. I was going to try and roll my R, but then I chickened out. Peron. Peron. Oh. No, no, no that was kind of good. Eva Peron. Well, that was kind of good for you. No. For you. I can do better, but I'm not going to keep okay. trying. Peron. Peron. Well, that one was better. Oh, that was good. That was better, that was better than mine. No, it wasn't. <laughs> anyway, we're talking about Eva Peron. Do you know anything about her? No, not really. But you've been wanting to do her for a while. It has been. Yeah, I've been talking yeah. about it for a while since like our first few episodes, I feel like. <laughs> I've heard whispers. <laughs> Rumblings in the deep. Okay, so are you ready to hop in? Yeah. Let's do it. Tell me about Eva. Eva. Peron. Peron. <laughs> Eva Peron was born Maria Eva Duarte, allegedly. Oh, <laughs> I was going to say at least one of her names was real, but maybe not. Maybe not. So her own biography has no references to her childhood, apparently, oh. doesn't list where she was born, and doesn't list her birth name. She blacked that out. She, yeah, she erased it. <laughs> Listen, I forgot. Eva is also well known by the nickname of Evita, so I may refer to her as that throughout the episode. All right, too. I'm prepared. It's the same person. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so we think she was born on May 7th, 1919. Her childhood is spent in Hunan, I think is how you say it. Hunan. Hunan. No, I don't think I'm Hunan. Yeah, don't, I, don't I think you're more close. It's in the Buenos Aires province in Argentina. Oh, okay. So the capital, she's like in the suburbs. Oh, so it's like a neighborhood. Yes. Got it. When she was born, her father already had another wife and family. Okay. Apparently, this was somewhat common at that time. Yeah. To like a married man just had a second family. Hey, he spends one weekend here. When we get in there. To each their own. Yeah. <laughs> Once she turned one, her father left the family to return to his legal family. Oh, see, that's the problem. Yeah. <laughs> that's why this doesn't work. This is what always happens. This loophole. We don't get it. Eva and her mother are left in, like, squalor. Ugh. This forced her, her mother, and her siblings to move to the poorest area in that neighborhood known for its, like, desolate poverty. Oh, my God. It's just getting so much worse. Yeah. Like, she thought she hit rock bottom, and then there was another layer of crap, <laughs> and then them. This whole second family thing. It really screwed them over. Really didn't work out. Yeah. There's a big stigma at the time around, like, women and children that this happened to. So, like, it's normal for the guy. Yeah. But for the woman, she is then, like, scorned. They're like, oh, you're the second family. Yeah. You are wow. the trash. So. Just it, as I thought. Just as I thought. Trash. <laughs> Eventually, the family is able to move to a bigger house, and they turned this house into a boarding house. So that's how they were, like, getting by. Okay. Through her youth, she was part of like school plays and concerts, and she loved going to the movies. She dreamed of becoming a famous actress. Who doesn't? In 1934, at the age of 15, Eva runs away from home with her boyfriend, 
who is, you know, a young musician at the time, of course. <laughs> so these two artists are running away together. Yeah. So they go to Buenos Aires, the capital. Yeah. Like they're, into the city. They're going to hit it big in Argentina. Exactly. Of course, she and this boyfriend break up because that's what happens. Ugh. Irrevocable differences. <laughs> Reality just really smacked her in the face. That doesn't happen to people in real life. That's the stuff of musicals. Which her life will be turned Which into is a musical. <laughs> Here we go. It writes itself. Yeah. I mean, you know. So they break up. She begins a new life. She starts dyeing her hair blonde, which she will do for the rest of her life. She starts pursuing radio, stage, and acting jobs. Anything she can get. What a way to mark the new you. Yeah. Like, this is my new hair. This is my new identity. I'm never going back. I will never again be that person. Because she keeps the blonde hair through her whole life. Yeah. So she metamorphosized. She metamorphosizes before us. Yes. Before our very eyes. <laughs> Living in Buenos Aires wasn't glamorous. Oh. In the 1930s, it was known as the Paris of South America. Oh. Isn't that fancy? Well, that sounds glamorous. So there are like a lot of opportunities to be found there. But if you flip the coin over. Oh. What's there, on the other side? You want? <laughs> I'll tell you what's on the other side. <laughs> Large numbers of unemployment and poverty. Oh, no. <laughs> so it's not easy starting off on your own when you don't have a formal education. Mm -hmm. She didn't finish school. She has no background because she has come from just a cast aside relationship. So she, it's, it's tough times. She doesn't have a lot of prospects. Yes. I see. Despite that, she does find opportunities and she makes her professional debut in a play in 1935. Oh, so she's an actress. She is an actress. Okay. The next year, 1936, she becomes part of a touring theater company, and she does some modeling work, and she makes like a few B-grade movies. So she's, you know, she's working. She's becoming recognizable. She's a rising star, maybe. Sure. She's like at that B-tier of celebrity. In 1942, at the age of 23, she finds real success, and things are starting to like break her way. Ooh. So she's hired to play a role on this daily radio drama, which is like the biggest radio station in the country at the time. So she becomes a star on their radio program. Man, radio dramas. What a, yeah. a what? lost media. Yes. We don't have that. Well, we do kind of have it in the sense of like there are fictional podcasts out yeah. there. Yeah. Some are pretty good. Some are pretty good. So it's kind of like the same thing. Yeah. But I just mean like they're not. As popular. No. Well, and that's your only medium that's yeah. available. Like Little Orphan Annie. Yes. <laughs> Later that same year, she signs a five-year contract with another radio channel, guaranteeing her a role in a very popular historical drama. Oh, nice. So she's like, she's getting the bag. She's, yeah, she's like rising the ranks in radio stardom. Good for her. And this is only like the early, mid-1900s, right? This is 1942. Yeah, so mid-1900s. Mid cool. Yeah, before TV really uh, took off. Yeah. Within a year, she was the highest paid radio actress in Argentina, and she went on to co-own that radio station. Dang, let's go. Nice. Yeah. She did have like a little bit of a short-lived film career, but like- the radio was really where she like made her start on. That was her calling. Yes, exactly. Mm. Didn't have a face for the movies, I guess. <laughs> you know, that's what you would assume. She was very beautiful. No, yeah, that's. I mean, <laughs> I don't know what she looks like, but I know that about her. Yes, you know. Oh so. well, I need to pull up a picture of her if you don't even know what she looks like. Oh yeah. <laughs> this is like her, like acting headshot. Oh, wow. Yes, very beautiful for the time. I mean, classically beautiful. You know? That's how I would describe it. And she was regulated to the radio? 
people didn't get to see that beautiful face? Get her off the screen. Put her in a booth. Put her in a what? In a booth. I like to record the radio show. I thought you said a boob. <laughs> I was like, what? Oh. Things are about to take a turn for Eva Perone. Uh-oh. Well, things have been going good, so I don't like the sound of that. Well, you you decide at the end if you think this was a turn for good or for bad. Oh. Okay. I'll try to remember. Foreshadowing. To yes, I'll try to remember to ask you that at the end. On January 15th, 1944, so this is 2 years now later. Uh-huh. An earthquake rocks the town of San Juan, Argentina, killing tens of thousands of people. Wow. Just devastating. Mm. The Secretary of Labor at the time, Colonel Juan Perón, yeah. decides to hold a fundraiser for the victims, and he invites radio and film actors to participate and like help raise money. Okay. But he's not related to Eva. No. She she's not Eva Perón yet. Yeah. She is Eva Duarte. Yeah, she's got that other name. Yeah, she's Eva allegedly. Duarte. Allegedly. Yeah. It might be something else, who knows. But she is a single lady. She okay. is not a Perón yet. Okay. This is this is our mute our mute. <laughs> our mute. Our mute. That's exactly what I was going to say. It's our meat cute. <laughs> Our mute keep. <laughs> Ooh. And what a mute keep it is. <laughs> mute keep. Oh my god. Okay. A gala is planned for all of the participants, all of the celebrities, and it's at this gala on January twenty second that Eva Duarte first met Juan Peron. Oh. They leave the gala together at 2 a.m. Scandalous. Wow. So they shut that stuff down. And this is their first time meeting. Yeah. And she goes home with them. Mm. I can relate. (laughs) Can you? (laughs) There's nothing I should know. No. They quickly begin a romantic relationship together. And it's like a whirlwind romance. Mm. They're in it deep, quickly. Head over heels. Exactly. Do you want to take a guess at how old he was? She's 24. I was going to say, okay. She's 24. She's 24. He is 38. Try adding 10 more years. No! (laughs) I knew you were going to say 38. I had it planned in my head to say... Okay, I'm going to say, try adding 10 more years. A decade. (laughs) Yeah. He was 48. He was double her age. Ugh. (sighs) Dang. Disgusting. That's that's a big gap. She has daddy problems. Yeah. Up to this point, Eva really doesn't have any real involvement or interest in politics at all. She's just a radio star. Yeah. Doesn't care about politics or what's happening. She's just making her way in the world. Exactly. But now that she's with Juan, she's absorbing all of the conversations happening around her. And she's like, she's like a sponge. Yeah. And she's just soaking it all in. She's getting involved. And Juan sees her as like a student that he can mold basically into like his female counterpart. Yeah. He's going to wield her like a weapon. He's going to carve her from the stone marble as Michelangelo (laughs) carved David. I don't even know if that's the right artist. (laughs) You know better than me. I was never, like, I just don't have a good memory. <laughs> like, I know that I learned that stuff, but I didn't retain it. <laughs> That's bold of you to admit. <laughs> Thank you. Good for you. <laughs> I feel a weight lifted from my shoulders. <laughs> I remember nothing. <laughs> 
So he's like, I'm going to make her the perfect woman to me. He is the mad scientist in Nightmare Before Christmas. <laughs> All right. Splitting his brain. Yeah. He allows her in his like inner circle, all of his political conversations, and he starts accepting like any advice that she has to give. He's like, okay, I'm going to take you seriously. Wow. Yeah. Okay. I'm so he's going to take your advice. So he's not just like grooming her to be his like counterpart. Now he's like, oh, I trust you. Yeah. Like you're very smart and learned. Yeah. Okay. I trust you. Interesting. This is five months into their relationship. Well, that didn't take that long. So, five months into their relationship, Evita is elected as president of the Broadcast Performers Union. They band together and they have a union. Well, that sounds like a big deal. Yeah. She begins a daily program called Toward a Better Future, which is a dramatized soap opera about the accomplishments of Juan Perón. <laughs> Isn't that kind of weird? Yeah. She would also play, like, speeches of his during the show. Okay. Very propagandaist. Yeah. Very odd. Yes. She was very effective with spreading his message because she talked in a very, like, everyday language. You know, she didn't use a lot of fancy political terms. Okay, so, like, so she spoke to the everyman. Exactly. They, like, understood her and they were like, dang, that Juan Perón. He's yeah. got some good ideas. I get it. Eva gets it. And so does Juan. And so do I. Yeah. <laughs> so let's dig into Juan Perón a little bit. Okay. I'll give you some background on him. Yeah. He's, I, he's sticking around. I was going to say, I know nothing about him. He's here to stay. Okay. I knew nothing about him before researching this. I also knew nothing about her like politics. Yeah. Like I knew that she was a big deal, but that was all I knew. Yeah. So let's dig into who Juan Perón is a little bit. Yeah, tell me about this guy. And we can see what we think our opinion is. Mm -hmm. Do we like him? Do we not? Hate him? Maybe. So like I said, he's a secretary of labor for Argentina. And prior to that, he was a colonel in the military. All right. So he's pretty high up in the military. Yeah. While working in the labor department... Perón passed a lot of progressive social reforms that would help to improve working conditions for, love, like, the everyday man. Love that. Knew you would. Yeah. This helped to create an alliance with socialists mm -hmm. and syndicalists in the labor unions, which helped to continue his, like, growth and influence. Yeah. He just, like, spread the good word. Mm-hmm. All, all the laborers start backing him. Exactly. Have you ever heard of a syndicalist before? I've heard of it, but I'd be lying if I told you I knew what it was. Well, I'm glad you said that because I, too, needed to look up what it was. Here's what they are. They are a revolutionary union movement designed to gain control over means of production and the economy at large. Oh, okay. So they're truly seizing the means of production. Yes. Mm. They want to take over. Mm-hmm. He was able to elevate his position in the Department of Labor to a cabinet-level position. Just from, like, schmoozing. Wow. Yeah, like, he getting just... getting shit done. Just talks his way, greases the elbows, yeah. and does the right things to was, climb the ladder. Yeah, he was, like, really up and coming. His mm. star was rising at a meteoric rise. Yeah, he's burning bright. He is. After the earthquake that happened, he became really nationally relevant because of this gala and everything that he did like the relief efforts that he did mm. so he's just like racking up w's yeah everybody loves mr perone while he's working his way up the ranks the current president of argentina is gotten rid of in a military coup oh they just take over well that happened the new president is a close friend of juan perones ah so Juan is named vice president, and he's still the minister of labor. So he's like literally the second most powerful man in the country. Man, so he's... He's really greasing those elbows. So he's tight with the socialists. Mm -hmm. He clearly... Which is the majority of the um, 
population like th- that's in poverty. So like a yeah. large amount of the population. Yeah. He clearly backs the coup. Right. And now he's got all this power. He's like Darth Sidious. <laughs> yeah, Chancellor what's- Palpatine. <laughs> yeah, what's he going to do now? I'll tell you what he's going to do. In October of 1945, his power is growing so strong that his opponents in the government believed he was too powerful. Uh-oh. It's too much. Yeah. Soon, they think he's going to try and make a power grab. He's going to try and like take over the presidency. Oh, he really is Palpatine. Yeah. That's what they're afraid of. Yeah. So they're like, we have to block this. So they force him to resign. And four days later, they arrest him. <laughs> He and Eva are together at this point. Okay, so they're together now. Yeah. He's forced to resign. He's ousted. And then they they arrest him. Uh Imagine if that happened to you at work. They were like, hey, you have to quit. And also, you're going to jail. Dude, I would shit bricks. I'm not going to lie. What a bad day. I'd be so scared. (laughs) I am so scared that people don't label their personal food. (laughs) So, since he has the support of the everyday man Uh and woman and everyone. And Eva. And Eva. There are huge, large-scale protests of his arrest. Okay. They're taken to the streets. It's so big that just a few days later, he's released. Wow, that didn't take long. The people have the power. Yeah. For once. Yes. One day after he was released, so on October 18th, 1945, he and Eva are married in a private civil ceremony. It has come to pass. It has. She's Mrs. Perone. She is. That same day that he's released and marries Eva, he announces that he's going to be running for president oh my God. on the Labor Party ticket. This is a lot for one day. You yeah. gain your freedom... Then you go to sleep. Yeah. Then you wake up. Time to get married. You marry your wife. Great day. And then you announce that you're running for president. And my next chapter of life. Yeah. It's, of course, like a voting year when he gets out. Yeah. You know. I mean, this is the time to run. That's the word. Election. I was in a voting year and I couldn't figure it out. Eva campaigns heavily for Juan, of course, because she is a radio actress. So yeah. she's able to spread the good word. And she should be the, the first lady. Exactly. So she uses her weekly radio show to deliver speeches that are very obviously like aligned with Juan. Yeah. Man, it's like a little cringe though. Isn't it? Because like your listeners already know like... They're You're together. Gonna, you support your husband. Yes. Yeah. But the people listened. <laughs> yeah. And he goes on to win the presidency in a landslide victory. All right. The people have spoken. Eva is officially a first lady. She has to leave the acting behind. Yeah, there's no room for that. You can't be a radio actress and the first woman of Argentina. No, there's too much pomp and circumstance. Yeah, too many commitments. Yeah. Your schedule is full. So she has a pretty rocky start transitioning from the star to the first lady. Okay. She went on a European... (laughs) It is a rocky start. It's rocky for everyone. (laughs) She goes on a European dignitary tour. So she's like making a name for herself. I am the first lady of Argentina. Oh, okay. I see. So she's like just visiting countries saying like, what's up? Yeah. She's like, I'm here. We're in charge now. Hello. Entertain me. (laughs) (laughs) But like, I guess that's a thing that like they do, right? Because like the first lady of the US, like she does that kind of stuff Yeah, they like go and meet other first ladies. Dignitaries of, of nations. Yeah. So her tour starts out with an invitation from Spain. 
Here's where things get bad. Oh. This is where it's, you know, it's, we start rocky. Yeah. We're, we're in the rock. Starting with Spain. This is, I was about to say Dimitically, (laughs) diplomatically, (laughs) Dimitically, Dimitically speaking. This was diplomatically frowned upon. So it's, you know, in the 1940s, so we're in World War II. Spain and Portugal are the last remaining Western European countries with authoritarian 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 leaders. So okay. it looked a little fascist for her to go there. Yes, I see. Yes, out of all the places she picks to go there first. Yes. Mm. So it's like mm, this isn't great for PR. Okay. She needs to fix this. She needs to make it look like she wasn't sympathizing with Spain. It's just like they were the first to invite us, so we we said hello. It's not my fault you guys sent your invitations later. Exactly. The fascists wanted me first. That, who? How could I be to blame? Who was I to refuse? <laughs> <laughs> so she visits a few other countries, and she is less than warmly welcomed. Oh, it's not good. The Pope gives her a very chilly reception. He still allows her to like pray in, you know, the most holy of places of kings and queens. (laughs) But he's like, but we're not going to make small talk. I guess you can still pray here, but like, don't talk to me. Yeah. She then met with French leader Charles de Gaulle, which apparently that went well. So check in the wind box. Let's go. But then she's snubbed by Britain's King George VI. He he wants nothing to do with her. Doesn't allow her to come. Bye. So then she continues on to Switzerland, and protesters and crowds throw tomatoes at her. Man, she's already gotten like snubbed by the big countries, yeah. and now like the smaller countries, no offense, Switzerland, are like tomatoes. Yeah, all Eat. around. We don't like you. Yeah, they throw tomatoes at her and they throw stones at the car she's traveling in. All because she went to Spain. All because mm. of Spain. Man. What mm. a mistake. Spain better have been the best freaking ally after this. Like, imagine going through all this for your friend. Well, we will return to Spain. Okay. Down the road. Once she returns to Argentina, she decides, I need a little bit of a makeover. I need to look more first lady-ish. I need to be more respected in this role. Yeah. Is it time to ditch the blonde hair? She keeps the blonde hair, but she ditches the like complicated hairdos that like the starlets would do. So she starts dressing and looking more conservative and she adopts more of this like Paris couture. Oh. Couture. Couture. Paris couture. 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 That is so fucking American. Ew. (laughs) I hate that that's what came out while being high. (laughs) My inner American. She's Paris Kitcher. <laughs> oh, I hate it. <laughs> My most natural self is a redneck. <laughs> I take that back. Could never go down that road. <laughs> so she had her rough start. She was like baptized by fire. But over the next few years, she really hits her stride. She's made over. She makes up. It's like what movies are made of. Yeah. Which so, is fitting because she was an actress. And because they made a movie of her life. Yeah. So who, who could have known? <laughs> so she truly starts to come into her own. She's like, you know what? I'm just going to make it me. And she becomes like a national symbol. All right. Wow. Man, what a turnaround. The people love her. Yeah, what a heel turn. Yeah. I mean, for the good way. Yeah, like the other countries might not like me, whatever, but my people like me. That kind of matters the most. Honestly, yeah. So she had, you know, a little bit of star power before, but it really is now with her political activism that Mm. she becomes famous for. Oh, okay. So yet again, we're off to a bit of a rocky start with the political activism. Yeah. She never, like, can just kind of ease into a role. It's always, like, there's friction. Oh. Yeah, she's, I'm seeing a pattern. Yeah. The Society of Beneficence. Benefi- beneficence. Beneficence. <laughs> <laughs> I just keep saying the same word. 
Pero me chats, pero me chats. Oh my god. I think I was like, I don't know if it's beneficence. No, that doesn't sound right. Beneficence. What language are you speaking? I wish I knew Spanish better. But I don't. <laughs> oh my god. So this society, whose name I cannot say, because reasons. reasons. <laughs> it was a charity group of 87 social ladies. So like the upper crust of society yeah. in Argentina. And they're responsible, this like charity group is responsible for caring for orphans and homeless women. Oh, That's okay. like their patrons. Gotcha. So they just all band together and they donate all this money. And, yes. And okay. do projects and yeah. whatever. It was funded by the government. So it was tradition for the society to elect the first lady of Argentina as the president. Okay, yeah. So it's like, hey, thanks for funding us, First Lady. Be the president of our women's society that helps take care of other women. Right. So when she's the First Lady, once she becomes the First Lady, the society was afraid that she would set a bad examples for orphans because she came from an impoverished background and lacked a formal education. So they didn't offer her the position. It's a bad example that you somehow became the First Lady so, like, we don't want to set that. Yeah. Orphans need to know where they belong. Can you imagine At the bottom? That? Yeah, like, can you imagine saying that to the first lady what of the country? counter logic. Yeah. I know. So, allegedly, <laughs> this obviously offended Eva. How could it not? Mm-hmm. So she had the government funding for the society cut off in retaliation. Ooh, That's man. allegedly. That's some mean girl shit. It is. And instead had that money go to the Eva Perone Foundation. What does that fund? Well, I uh, we'll get to that in a second. Okay. She did fund the foundation with her own money, though. Like, to start it out. So she, like, put in her first $100,000 to, like, do stuff. Okay. And then the government funded. Yeah. Got it. Within a few years, the foundation had assets in cash and goods that was worth over $200 million at the time. So, like, back then. That's a lot of moolah. Yeah. A lot of the guacamole. A lot of green. A lot of the green. It employed 14,000 people, which that's a ton. Yeah, the economy. That is. They annually purchased and distributed 400,000 pairs of shoes to like people needing shoes. All right. Well, I mean, that's good. 500,000 sewing machines for people to be able to like mend clothes, make clothes, you know, whatever. Yeah. And 200,000 cooking pots. So basically like everything you would need to start a household. Some like basic need things. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay, I mean, that's that's good. That's something valiant. Yeah, and something that, like, they will all use. Right. The foundation also provided scholarships. It built homes, schools, clinics. Like, okay. It built a lot of buildings, it's too. got a so. bunch of other stuff. Yeah, that was just, like, the, the giveaways, mm-hmm. the party favors. Yeah. The entire foundation was under the supervision of Eva, And according to her biographies, because of the health services the foundation provided, there was, during this time, no inequality of Argentine health care for the first time in the country's history. So, like, everybody had the same health care. Man. The same level of care. Nobody got preferential treatment. What a utopia. Right? That's pretty incredible. Mm Mm-hmm. It seems like she lived and breathed for this foundation. Like, this was her lifeblood. This is her world. Yes. Yeah. To the point where people are calling her, like, fanatical. Yeah. And, like, she's on a crusade against poverty. Oh, God. Yeah. She is, like, 
one track mind. Even if you're doing something good, you don't want to be labeled fanatical. fanatical. <laughs> That's not a good look. Mm-mm. She would work as many as 20 hours a day. What? A day. Man, that's an obsession. Yeah. She is a fanatic. Yeah. She ignores Juan's requests for her to like cut back on her workload and stop working on the weekends. And she's like, absolutely not. (laughs) Yeah. Fuck you. He just wants her to be the first lady and just like chill and like. Or like he's fine with her like having this foundation, but like have a life outside of it. Yeah. Like go to a cookout. Yeah. Hang out by the pool. So regardless of if she stopped the funding for the other society or not, her own foundation was so much more successful in taking care of the country. So it's like, who cares about that society? Yeah. I mean, it's good to know she was at least doing some good things. Yeah. You know. So that's like her major life's work. Mm -hmm. Now we're going to get into like her philanthropic side. Okay. So... In 1947, women still didn't have the right to vote in Argentina. Eva supported women's suffrage in the country, and she was known to make radio addresses and like publish newspaper articles Mm -hmm. asking the male supporters in her husband's political party to like support the right to vote. Yeah. I'm going to give all these speeches and convince you. Yeah. Man, it's got to be hard like to think about on the other side to try and be a woman and come out and be like... I don't think I should have the right to vote. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? It's like, right. it doesn't sound like a compelling argument, no matter wh- yeah. how believable you see. That sounds like witchcraft. I don't want that kind of magic. I don't think life. I want that kind of control over my life. Yeah. Can you imagine? <laughs> Ultimately, though, she doesn't have the power to do more than that. Because right. She's just the first lady. The most she can politically do is support like whatever bills are introduced by... The men in her husband's political party. Sure, she doesn't have any power. She's exactly. she's a mouthpiece and right. a public figure. And she but she does like work in the public to like convince everybody like they need the right to vote. You're right. We are equal. Yeah. I mean she has right influence, vote. but not in any official capacity. Yes. She can just rally the masses. Right. In nineteen forty six, a women's suffrage bill was introduced in the Senate, and Avita, of course, backs it. A year later, It's passed unanimously. So her work, it pays off. Yes. It establishes the equality of political rights between men and women. Awesome. What year is this again? 1946. All right. Cool. Imagine being one of those nasty-ass women that was like, orphans don't need to aspire to be you. Yeah. And she's like, you know what? I'm going to give you more rights. Mm -hmm. And that's how I'm going to shut you the fuck up. In spite of how much you suck. Yeah. I'm going to do good by you. Man. There was a public celebration and ceremony where Juan Perón is, you know, signing the bill into law. Mm -hmm. And after signing it, he hands it to Eva and like symbolically gives her like the recognition and credit basically for this becoming a law for passing through the Senate. Man, that's pretty cool. Yeah, so, like, the people see her as, like, this is because of her. Be thankful for this one. Right, yeah. He he publicly acknowledges it, but without saying it. Exactly. Or, give, or giving her real recognition. Right. She's the secret assistant to the regional manager. <laughs> Listen, it's the 40s. This is the best we could do. Yeah. A head nod. A wink. A wink. Once the law is passed, Eva creates the Female Peronist Party, Mm -mm. which is the first large female political party in the country, and of course is an offshoot of her husband's party, which is the Peronist Party. Okay. By 1951, it has 500,000 members, like working members. Wow. And it has over 3,000 headquarter locations across the country. Man. So she's employing a shit ton of people. Yeah, she's... Got, she's employing like a major amount of the workforce. Yeah. And through all of this, she doesn't really consider herself a feminist. I'm not a feminist. I just believe in equal rights and that women should be treated equally and that we deserve everything just as much as men do. But I'm not a feminist. I'm not a feminist. feminist. Don't call me that. Just, no. But the truth of it is, She's now introducing thousands of women into politics. Yeah. 
And I'm sure into like new positions in the workforce. Exactly. You know. Mm -hmm. So even outside of all of this like work that she actually does that has like tangible results, she's also credited for Juan Perón's policies on like public health care, housing, labor benefits. Like these are all from Eva's influence. Man. So she's like turning him into the person that like everybody should want. No, that doesn't make sense. I lost myself. But she she's like the the mastermind. Yeah. It's like her policy ideas and It's like she's using him as the puppet. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, this is cool cuz he like is politically in his like politically smart in his own right. Yeah, like he's probably charismatic and like he's yeah. able to It's like he knows that she's using him as the mouthpiece but he likes it he likes it he's into it he's cool with it it's a win-win exactly he agrees with yeah. what she's doing a consent yes it's 1951 it's a presidential voting year for argentina so naturally juan perón is the incumbent he runs for president again sure this time around juan perón though Juan Perón. Not Juan Perón. <laughs> Juan Perón Kenobi. Juan Perón would choose a new vice president. And the only person he wanted by his side was his first lady, Eva Perón. Ooh. Dropping the mic. Man. And the old VP. Yeah. Just dropping them. See ya. You're gone. See ya, pals. Hey, listen, I'm running again. By the way, it's not with you. I need you to continue doing your job, though, till I'm reelected. Right. Eva is super popular among the working class, especially with women now that they have the right to vote. Right. So they're all siding with the Peronist party. Man. And so she's basically like a shoe-in. They're like, yeah, this is what we want. Yeah, what a good political move. Yeah. It's like the smartest thing he could have done. In August of that year, the aligned labor unions in the country throw this massive rally for the Perones. Mm-hmm. And it's the first massively public announcement of Eva being Perones' running mate, like in an okay. official capacity. Gotcha. It's estimated that 2 million people attended this rally. Wow. That's huge. Yeah. But this showed an intense, like, widespread support for Eva. Like, this just shows how, like, magnanimous she is with the people okay yeah and it apparently was surprising even to juan like how big of a political figure she actually was he underestimated her power yeah you underestimate my power i was gonna say juan kind of seems like he's a little like clueless yeah like i mean he's very like good obviously what he does but but he's also yeah just kind of like he's like oh shit everybody loves her cool cool Cool. This is a good choice by me. I really made a good call. Glad I took her home at 2 a.m. after a fundraiser. (laughs) Ultimately, she declines. She's not going to be the vice president. Mm. She has a secret (gasps) that even her husband doesn't know about. Uh, uh, What is it? Before we dive into that. Yeah. After she declined the vice presidency, her prominent her prominence and notoriety grows even larger. Sure. People are like, oh my God, she gave that up. Yeah. So people start comparing her to Mary of Guadalupe, which is this like figure in Hispanic Catholicism. And it's like the benchmark of like femininity and holiness. Wow. So they're like turning her into a saint, basically. Yeah, she's like a deity. Yes, exactly. Hmm. She's even given the title of spiritual leader of the nation. (laughs) So like, yeah, people are like, she's holy. She can do no wrong. She can't, honestly. Like people would have loved it if she was the vice president. Exactly. And then they were like, oh my God, she turned it down. She's a God. Exactly. She could have given us utopia and instead we will suffer. She's a God. Yeah. So back to her secret. Mm Mm-hmm. We're going to rewind two years to January 9th, 1950. Eva publicly fainted and is taken to the hospital, where she would undergo surgery three days later. She's been a clone ever since. (laughs) (laughs) 
Dude. What a science fiction novel Ooh. idea. No, that wasn't it. Oh. <laughs> so the public and press are told that she undergoes an appendectomy. Okay, yeah. Routine surgery. Happens all the time. Appendix burst. Truth is, she's diagnosed with advanced cervical cancer. Oh, no. So these fainting episodes would continue over the next two years. Yeah. One even happening after that huge rally that they had for them as like vice president and president. Mm -hmm. By 1951, she's extremely weak and she suffers regularly from severe bleeding from her cervix. Oh, gosh, that's so awful. So she kept all this from her husband? So he knew that she wasn't well. That's it? But yeah, like he didn't know the extent of it. Oh, I've got another headache. Yeah. Yeah. So the diagnosis is completely withheld from him. Oh. What a betrayal. Honestly, though, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah. Like, can you imagine if I did that to you? No, that would be awful. Yeah. I understand why someone may make that decision, but I'm not cool with it. No. In 1951, she secretly undergoes a radical hysterectomy performed by an American surgeon who's like from this renowned cancer center. Oh, okay. So she's getting like the best treatment of the time. I was worried when you said radical. I was like, "Uh uh-oh. Yeah, well, radical is in like, oh, it's everything. Oh, yeah, no, I mean, I understand it's also still probably dangerous. Yes, yeah. I was like, uh-oh. Mm-hmm. Radical. Radical. After the hysterectomy, the cancer returns. It's now spreading through her entire body. Oh, so it's it's worse than before. Exactly. Yeah. Didn't even have to undergo the hysterectomy. Would have happened anyway. Yeah. Ugh. She's the first Argentine to undergo chemotherapy. First one in the whole country. Wow. Even this is not enough to stop the cancer. Yeah. I guess it's just too advanced. Yeah. By June of 1952, this is a year after her surgery, she weighed just 79 pounds. Oh, gosh. She could no longer stand without, like, needing support under her clothes. Yeah. Or Juan would literally, like, hold her waist and hold her up. I was going to say, I bet she was so frail. Yeah. Like, she, she couldn't. Super, super frail. So it's obvious now why she turned down the vice presidency. Yeah. She's like, I, uh, I'm going to be dead <laughs> before the end of the term is over. The thing about that is... <laughs> I'm not going to be here. <laughs> How long's the job? In 2011, Eva's skull x-rays are evaluated by a Yale neurosurgeon. And he believes it's possible that Eva even went under a prefrontal lobotomy. To help relieve the pain and, like, anxiety and agitation she felt. What? Isn't that wild? Man. I guess just, like, towards the end of her life. Yeah, she... just to give her relief. Man. I wonder, I don't like, know for sure, but, like, it's possible. Well, I wonder, too, if that happened, like, how long did she live after that? Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. On July 26, 1952, Eva Perone passes away at the age of just 33. Ugh. Isn't that crazy? That's so young. Yeah. Man, and she was going to be the vice president yeah, at like 32. At 32, yeah. Wow. She was young as shit, dude. Man. I wish we had some young leaders. <laughs> Wouldn't it be nice? Gosh. When her uh, death is announced, the nation literally shuts down. Yeah. I I'm, mean, complete halt to the entire country. Yeah. I mean, she seems so beloved. Oh, yeah. I mean, she was like a deity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the government suspended all official activities for several days. Yeah. And businesses across the country was just like completely brought to a halt. Everything stopped. Mm. Well, and also like. Her husband is still the president at this right. time. Exactly. Right. So it's like for him, it's like, yeah, we're shutting shit down. Yeah. I'm a little busy. I'm a little bit busy morning right now. Listen, country, I know you need me to run you. <laughs> I've got shit to do. I got days to mourn. It's in my contract. <laughs> the morning after her death, her body was being moved to a government building so that like she could lay in state, I guess. Mm-hmm. 
thousands of people crowd the streets just to be near her body being moved and like just to see it. Yeah, just the hopes for a glimpse. Yeah, exactly. The crowd is so big and dense that it spreads over 10 blocks in each direction. Not just one. Wow. In each direction. That's a huge radius. Yeah. Man, imagine being in that crowd. Like, you're not going to see it. No. You're 10 blocks away. Yeah, like, what are you thinking? So many people start rushing to be close to her body or, like, be able to see it. Mm-hmm. Eight people are crushed to death. Oh, my gosh. From being trampled. Over 2,000 people are treated for injuries. Man. Just to see a body. I know. It's fucking wild. Gosh, that that is crazy. Just trampling people to to hopefully see a body. Yes. Then while her body laid in state for two weeks, thousands of people wait in like lines for hours to pay their respects. Man. Can you imagine loving a political figure that much? No. I feel like the closest thing that like America had was like JFK. Yeah, probably. The country's mourning is so intense that all of the flower shops in Buenos Aires runs out of flowers. Oh my gosh. They completely run out. They're just all going to the funeral. Yeah, they're just all gone. They have to have more flowers shipped in from around the country and like nearby country. Wait. (laughs) I thought I said country too many times, but I didn't. No. So they had them shipped from around the country. And then from other countries. From other countries. (laughs) Many countries make lots of flowers. Shut the fuck up. (laughs) (laughs) You sound so stupid. (laughs) Uh, Nearly three million people attend her funeral. Just overflowing into the streets. So even bigger than that rally. That is not the end of Eva's story. Oh. Things are going to take a very dark turn. Okay. After the funeral, her body is not buried. Okay. Juan Perón has an embalmer known for his skills brought into the country. Oh. He has all of her blood replaced with glycerin. Yeah. What? Why? This apparently like preserves the organs in the body so that it like makes it look like she's just sleeping like she doesn't decay oh i see okay yeah Uh, that's fucking weird this doesn't sound like it's gonna go great yeah it's not (laughs) plans are then made to have a monument built where her body would be stored at its base as like a display for the public okay i mean i was on board with the monument i was like okay this seems pretty standard Oh. Yeah. Apparently that's how like Lenin's body is. Oh, I on display or it was. At I one don't point. know anything about that. I don't know. While the monument's being built, her body is left out on display for two years. Ugh. Two fucking years. Just her like, body is just on display. Just like in a courtyard. Just like it's just like in an office. Ugh. Isn't that fucking weird? That Can you is... imagine going to the office, walking down the hallway, and seeing a fucking body? Or even just knowing it's in like the room you're passing. Yes! Like, ugh. Right. Isn't that fucking weird? That is creepy. Well, before the monument can be completed, Juan is overthrown in a military coup. Oh, here we go. So he fled the country in exile, just leaving her body behind. Man. Military coup after military coup over there. Do you want to guess where he goes into exile? Spain. Spain. (laughs) He goes to Spain. Of course. Yep. I told you we'd come back to Spain. Listen, you always need an exit plan. Exactly. For the next 16 years, from 1955 to 1971, Peronism is completely banned in Argentina. Oh, of course, if there was a military coup. Yeah. Yeah. The new government has... Evita's body removed from its display. Its location is lost for 16 years. Wow. They just lose the body. They were like, well, get rid of this thing. Well, I guess it's gone. Trash. In 1971, her body is found buried in a crypt in Milan. Okay. Italy. Yeah. Like, what? what? She's then exhumed. Mm Mm-hmm. And the body appears to have been damaged while being transported and stored. 
Yeah, no shocker there. Yeah, so like she has some marks on her face now. Her like foot's messed up. <laughs> it's just so fucking weird, dude. Man, this really is bizarre. Yeah. So she was like entombed. She was stored in a room. Then sent over to Italy. Yeah. Lost for 16 years, recovered. And now she's flown to Spain to be given to Juan Perón and his new wife. Okay, yeah. Imagine that as the new wife. Yeah. UPS driver shows up. And it's just a fucking body in a glass case. Honey, it's your ex. Yeah. The corpse. (laughs) They decide they're going to keep the corpse on display. Of course, yeah. In their dining room. Oh, my God. Can you imagine? Man, Juan was obsessed with her. Yeah, dude. That's... Creepy not, and that's not, not okay. Not okay. Put that woman to rest, bro. I know. So Juan and his wife return to Argentina out of exile. He becomes president for the third goddamn time. Oh my gosh. This time his wife would be made vice president. Yeah. And when Juan Perón dies the next year, she becomes president. Wow. Man, what could have been for Eva? Mm-hmm. She didn't have cancer. Yeah. So the third wife, now president, mm-hmm. has Eva's body returned. Back again. to Argentina. From, yeah, I guess they left her in Spain when yeah. they returned to Argentina. Keep her safe. She has her displayed again next to Juan Perón's body. So I guess they did the same thing with his body yeah. and just put them both on display together. Man, that is weird. It's so fucking bizarre, dude. What a weird, like, it's not a love triangle, but like a love triangle. Yeah. Yeah. Of dead people. Very bizarre. Very odd. Yes. I don't know how long she's on display for with Juan's body. Yeah. But finally, her body is buried in the Duarte family tomb. Finally. Yeah. After like probably decades almost. Yeah. I don't know what year it is. Man crazy the argentine government takes like super great measures to like secure this tomb yeah so, like we are not having her body fucked up again this is it this is her final resting place we're done with this this is it yeah so the tomb's floor has a trap door okay which then leads to like a room below it with uh-huh. two coffins in that room there's another trap door which leads down to a third room or a second room Beneath that, like, first drop. Uh Uh-huh. It's in that second room where her body is to this day. Man, that's some pretty intense security measures. Yeah. I'm very intrigued. What a, like, just the travels of a body. Yeah. It's it's so gross. And, like, just let her go. Yeah. To think your body could have that whole life after you die. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And you I just mean, have no idea. Well, like we said, it was decades. Yeah. It's like that thing had a a whole journey, a whole life. So apparently I came across while I was doing my research that there was a TikTok going around recently. Uh-huh. And like a couple articles have like sprouted up stating that while her body was missing for those 16 years, that it was like defiled and that all these wax copies were created and that like... Her face was damaged with a hammer. Oh. Like, all really weird stuff. Yeah. All of these allegations allegedly come from this, like, fictionalized work about her life. Oh, okay. And people have just, like, believed it to be true. Yeah, this is fact. Yeah. So, don't believe everything you hear on TikTok. Yeah. Well, that's... Or read on Reddit. Because without saying... Yeah. Because I found an article about it on Reddit, and I was like, what? And then in my research, I learned... Nah. That's not real. That's not real. Man. Yeah, what a crazy journey. Yeah, what a life. Yeah, I mean. In 33 years. That's a lot packed into such a little amount of time. Yeah, I forgot she, yeah, you said 33. Man, so young. Mm Mm-hmm. And almost the vice president. Yeah. And And instead became a god. (laughs) Literally, yeah. I just like. I can't believe I had no idea how like politically involved she was. Me neither. I knew she was a political figure, but I had no idea what she did. 
I didn't know how revered she was. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Pretty crazy. Maybe we should watch Evita sometime. Maybe. I mean, it's I mean, allegedly very good. I'm down. J-Lo at her finest. <laughs> or no, it's not J-Lo. It's Madonna. <laughs> J-Lo was Selena. <laughs> That's right. Well... Well, that's it. <laughs> that's it. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Half-Baked History Podcast. If you like the show, please leave a review or tell a friend. For show updates and more, follow us on social media. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Half-Baked H-I-S-T-R-Y. See you next time.